The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it is time to break down everything that we've seen through two rounds of the American Express and look forward to the weekend. And to do that, I've got none other than Greg Ducharme on the line. Greg, I think I have whiplash from all of the birdies that I saw going in over the past five or six hours. What do you think about what we've got going on so far uh, in the California? I'll tell you what, it's a little bit different than it was last week uh, out <laughs> sure at the Sony thing. Open. First of all, thanks for for uh, for being here with me tonight, Rick. Rick. Uh, always fun as we're now best friends. But That's true. Um, this is a completely different golf tournament than we had last week. I mean, this is what I consider to be dome golf. There's no wind. The conditions are perfect. It's like they're playing indoors. It's fun to see. Uh, and, and there have been a ton of birdies out there. Yeah, there, there, there was a little joke on the telecast where basically the wind is gusting to two miles an hour because it is <laughs> it is about as calm as you could ask for. And the scores are a, a result of that. So at the top, Ricky Fowler and Scotty Scheffler tied at 15 under par. Pretty remarkable stuff considering Fowler went out. Uh, actually, actually, I guess both of them did. Went out and shot 64s today. Uh, really impressive stuff from both of them. And what I think is really compelling about both of these guys at the top of the leaderboard, Greg, is they've both kind of had issues on the weekend. Rick, Ricky's are a little bit more well-documented uh, with his 36-hole leads. Hasn't converted a whole lot of them. And Scotty Scheffler in just this young you know, season that he's played, it's got, he's got like 10 weekend rounds and those have been his worst rounds. So now we're seeing a situation where these guys are going to have to be pedaled to the metal, uh, for the next two days and they haven't necessarily been great at it. This, this kind of a tournament almost, I think will help, uh, a Scotty, uh, Scotty Scheffler specifically. Um, you know, you look at Scotty Scheffler and it's kind of like what we saw with Jordan Spieth last year where he's first in first round scoring average. He's 12th in, uh, second round scoring average and then he falls Falls all the way to 110th on on the weekend. You mentioned a, a limited number of rounds here, uh, 104th on on round four scoring average. When when you're in this kind of a position and you know if you shoot even par, you might fall uh, you might fall 60 spots. It seems. I mean, 60 is probably a little high for even par for these guys. But I mean, you're gonna you're gonna fall a tremendous amount with a round like that. And knowing that, you have to go out there. You have to make birdies. You have to play aggressive right from the start. I think it'll help Scotty Scheffler now. Ricky Fowler, last time he was in the desert, he had a 36-hole lead at the Waste Management Open. It was the last one he converted, but he did shoot three over par, 74, uh, and, and there were some controversies surrounded by that tournament, if you remember, last year. Um, but it wasn't exactly the way – didn't exactly tell you, hey, Ricky, he's gotten it done and he can do it again. 
Right, yeah, this is his ninth time, I believe, holding the lead or co-lead. Has only converted on one, but it was that most recent waste management that you were that you were referring to. Um, what I actually think is helpful, specifically for Scotty Scheffler, and tell me if I'm reading too much into this, but this is not going to feel like a normal Saturday because they don't have a cut. Uh, they're going to be playing a, a third course, a different course for the third time. The guys aren't going out like, hey, you're not going out in the last group. They're just doing their regular tee times that were assigned to them before the tournament started. So if it is if it is anything mental a for either one of these guys, I don't think it might – it's not going to feel like it this week because this tournament is so unique. You might be reading into it a little bit too much, but I understand your point here because the 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 – the point that you make is, hey, it's not like you're out in the final group on only one golf course on Saturday. That's the biggest difference. But yeah. that being said, you're still leading the tournament. There's still a lot of pressure that comes to it, and both of these players will be on the stadium course. Um, you, you look down the leaderboard here, and you have a, a guy like Andrew Landry who will be – I think he's going to be playing the Nicholas tournament course tomorrow. So he kind of looks like the guy with the advantage and knowing that he's out on an easier course. If you're Scotty and Ricky, you just shot 64 on that golf course today. And now you have Andrew Landry out there, only one back on a much easier golf course um, than the stadium course. So they're going to have to make birdies. They're going to feel a lot of pressure, especially a Ricky Fowler. You know, the crowds are going to be surrounding him first and foremost. Yeah. I think this is the big storyline for tomorrow specifically where, you're right. I'm just kind of trying to do a mental checklist here. The guys who have already played the stadium course, so they will not be playing the stadium course tomorrow. Uh, Andrew Landry is going to be playing the Nicholas Tournament course, which is a great draw for him. Cam Davis, uh, near the top of the leaderboard again after 36 holes, will be playing La Quinta. And then Ted Potter and Chase Seifert will be playing the Nicholas Tournament course as well. So I think you're right. Those guys who are playing the stadium course, which is now about a shot and a half more difficult than the other two through two rounds. They're just going to have to hold it together and hope to still be, you know, within within earshot or, you know, a shot or two back, presumably, uh, when it comes Sunday, unless they can go really low on the stadium course. Then they put themselves in, in pole position. And we have seen low rounds on the stadium course. Cameron Davis, your boy. Uh, <laughs> he, he shot five under on the stadium course today. So it is doable. Um, it, it's just, it's a little bit more challenging and we're, we're going to see how they handle the pressure. Cause I do believe the pressure will tur turn up for them a little bit tomorrow on the more challenging golf course. There's a lot more risk on that. I, I think the big numbers are more of threatening on that golf course than the others. There are still plenty of birdie holes out there. There's just that risk of making a, a double bogey or something along those lines that can really end your chances. So, um, I, I, it will be a great, it, it'll be a very telling for a Ricky Fowler and a Scotty Scheffler, more so for Ricky Fowler because of the documented history that you mentioned. But I'm really excited to see it. I mean, most of the guys on the leaderboard are going to be playing the stadium course. You go down to a Sung JM, you go down to a Ryan Moore, these guys that are, um, notably experienced, even a Bud Colley, he's going to be out on the stadium course as well. So, um, it, it will be interesting to see. It's probably not a huge advantage, but a guy like Andrew Landry just pops up in tournaments, it seems, here and there. And he's a guy that can win. I don't think he's afraid to go out there and win. Yeah, he's certainly capable of, you know, surprising you winning once a year, once every two years. And and you're right. The, the stadium course, there, there were some numbers that were surrendered uh, by the stadium course today. Now, there was also some of the, the worst rounds that we saw today came at the stadium course. So it's it's not going to be impossible. Um, but I feel like we were kind of in this similar situation when we talked 
last week after 36 holes, Greg, where you look at the names and you look at Andrew Landry, who still has to play Nicholas Tournament. You look at Cam Davis again. We had the same conversation about him last week. Ted Potter Jr., Chase Seifert. I mean, these are guys that if I removed their names, like I said last week, if I removed their names, I'd really like the position that they're in. Now, I said that last week and Cam Davis disappeared on the weekend, still had a great finish for him, but certainly did not contend for the win. Like, how are we feeling this week about these guys that would normally like would normally fall off after 36 holes, quite frankly? There's nobody on the leaderboard that you really feel extremely confident about. Ricky Fowler is probably the closest guy to that. Um, but he still, he, he is definitely the biggest name. He and Tony Finau are the two biggest names in the field. But Ricky's still a guy that's a little bit notorious for falling off on, on a Saturday round or, or not having a great Sunday, maybe playing a little too conservative. He's, he's not a guy you're feeling rock solid about going into the weekend. And Tony Finau too, he's a guy that, you know, he's not a notorious winner out there. He's not a guy that you feel like, well, when Tony gets a chance, he gets it done. He's not known to be a great closer like a, a Justin Thomas. Or I'm not even going to mention Tiger Woods, but if, if there was someone like Phil Mickelson up here near the top of the leaderboard, I would say, hey, this guy's a, a winner. He he knows what it takes to win. He's done it time and time again. But I mean, this thing's shaping up to be—it's really anyone's ball game at this point, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to figure out like, okay, if someone goes out and shoots this number at this course tomorrow, where do, where are we at? And like. I think there's so many possible outcomes to this. I mean, the the guys at 15 are going to be playing the the harder course. So anybody with it, I mean, we've seen seven, eight, nine. Ted Potter Jr. went nine under at La Quinta today. A guy that went toe to toe and beat Dustin Johnson at Pebble in a playoff. Uh, I guess it was two years ago at this point. Like there are huge numbers out there. I still think we're going to see a huge shakeup in the leaderboard, and then. Obviously, this this kind of goes without saying, but after tomorrow's round, we will know much more because all of these guys are going to get one last crack at the same course, and we're going to kind of know we're going to have them on like level playing field. If that makes sense. here's the interesting thing too, Rick. I mean, the guys that are at 15 under, they have. I know that their Andrew Lander is only one shot back. Tony Fina is only two shots back. But once you get kind of down past Bud Cauley into the 11 or 10 under range, you're talking about four or five shots back in a birdie fest. And that can be difficult to make up if guys don't come back to you. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where some of these guys, if you're at nine under and, or 10 under and you go shoot five under par tomorrow, which would be a, a really nice round, especially on the stadium course, where is that going to leave you? Is that going to leave you four back? Is that going to leave you tied for the lead? It, it's difficult to say because you have two guys in Ricky Fowler and Scotty Scheffler that don't have a great history that are sitting there on top of the leaderboard. So they, you could see them stalling out and kind of shooting even par or two, two, three under par. And if they're at uh, an 18 number, that brings a lot of guys right back into the tournament. It certainly does. And one guy that we've kind of just mentioned his name a couple of times, but I feel like we got to give him a little credit here. Tony Finau goes out and scorches uh, the Nicholas course today for a 62 matching the lowest round he's ever shot on the PGA tour. He was, uh, I think he made seven birdies in his last nine holes. He shot a 29 coming in and Greg, you were really high on him in the, the DraftKings betting preview that we did together on Tuesday. And this is, I assume what you like about Tony Finau, which is that he can get 
scorching hot. He can make birdies and bunches, and he showed us that today. This year so far on the PGA Tour, he is second in strokes gain approach the green, which I think is, as I said, very important this week. He's first in strokes gain tee to green. And you have to give yourself opportunities, and that's what we saw him today. I mean, it seemed like every time he looked up, Tony Finau had a birdie putt inside of, inside of you know, 12 feet. So when when you can put that kind of ball striking together, uh, it, it gives you a lot of opportunities, which you need on a golf course like this. You can't go out there and hit nine greens of regulation and expect to shoot a 62. It's just it's, – it's not going to happen out here. So it is a requirement – to hit the ball where you're looking out here. And you get a guy like Tony Finau uh, in the mix, and he could do it. I, do I have some concerns? Yeah, he's not a guy that's really gone out and done it before. Now he has to follow a 62 uh, going into the weekend now that he's in contention. That being said, this is the kind of golf course where I think it's a little bit easier to follow a low round with another one because you're, A, changing golf courses, B, the conditions are perfect, and C, everybody's going to be making birdies like crazy. So a 62, while it's crazy low, it you know everybody near the top of the leaderboard just shot a really low round. So I, I think it's something he really can answer tomorrow. This would be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, like his first, I don't want to call it his first PGA Tour win because he won like that alternate field event. I think it was the Puerto Rico Open, but like this would be like his first quote unquote real win, right? Yeah, it would. And we've been waiting for it for a while out of Tony Finau. I mean, you, you start to look at the kind of career map on him and over the past, basically since 2017, He's been nearly a $5 million man. I mean, he made in 2018 $5.6 million. He had three second-place finishes, 11 top 10s, um, 19 top 25s, right? He, he made 25 of 28 cuts. And then he followed it up last year with two second places, a third place, six top 10s, um, and he made 20 of 25 cuts. He, he made $4.3 million last year. So a guy who's been playing really well, made the Ryder Cup team, made the President's Cup team, uh, is definitely looking to make the the, uh, the Ryder Cup team this year, hopefully not as a captain's pick this time. So Tony Fina is a guy we've been looking at as a really a, a rising player, uh, really finding his own, but we just got to get a we got to get a real win out of Tony Fina. Yeah, we might be two rounds away from them being able to retire that graphic that they keep showing, the one that says like he leads the world in top tens without a win, right? Like they they show it every every chance they can when when Finau's on the screen. Yeah, so we might get to retire that one this week. Um, I feel like we'd be a little remiss if we did not talk about the ambassador, the host, Phil Mickelson, who is telling us he's hitting bombs on Twitter. Unfortunately, the only thing that bombed this week was his scorecard, Greg. Um, two under for the week, even par at the Nicholas course today. That is not going to cut it. He is currently in a tie for 110th, and I don't even want to try to do the math at what number he would have to shoot tomorrow to make the cut. I mean, you're, you're probably looking at seven or eight under par tomorrow realistically that that's just what it's going to take it it's just 9 under was the cut last year it's probably going to get there again this year it's so hard to predict but he's going to have to go really low tomorrow to do it now it is Phil he he can do it he does have uh that capability but man i mean you you look at the round today at uh the Nicholas tournament course and it's just a little bit disappointing i mean it's disappointing you you would expect a Phil Mickelson out there to make more than two birdies um, so, so that, that kind of is a little bit of a letdown. Now, birdies aren't easy to make, so it can, it can happen. I look back to round one when he made a double bogey. 
And that to me is the real killer. When, when you make a double bogey on a golf course like this, uh, at La Quinta, this is, it's just, it, it's not good. And it's hard to come back from. He made five birdies yesterday, shoots two under par, plays a round where he can't really get the putter going today. And all of a sudden he's wet. He's got to shoot 63 to make the cut tomorrow. So I, I think the host is going to be watching, uh, for, for this weekend. Yeah, I certainly agree. Yeah, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm, yeah, five, five or six under. He's going to need to shoot five or six under. Um, and, and we, we talked about it a lot. I mean, the, the 2020 storylines for guys like Phil, guys like Francesco Molinari, even, who's also struggling this week, like, this is kind of the first chapter of that year and what, and what 2020 is going to look like. So, um, yeah, I cannot imagine Phil's going to be making the cut, but, um, yeah, a little disappointing. He was just kind of stuck in, stuck in stall all day. Let me ask you this. Um, and I just kind of wanted this to be a little open-ended question. Is this how, – how impressive is this tournament if you win it? Well, to me, it's a good question, and I understand where it comes from. It's not the strongest field. It is on three different golf courses. It's yeah. a pro-am, all of that. But it's very impressive. You're, I mean, you're, you're look just look at the scores that you have to shoot to win. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like it's like going out in a Corn Ferry Tour event and and getting a win. It's still extremely impressive. These are phenomenal players. Maybe they're not the wor- most world class players, but you have to go out there and you have to make birdie after birdie after birdie, and it's gonna come down to the wire. Like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tightly contested match, and there's gonna be a lot of guys in the mix. And if you're the guy that that wins the race, it turns into a little bit of a sprint here over the weekend. Then I, that that gives you a lot of credit, and I think it's not an easy thing to do. I agree with you. I, the more that I think about it, the more that I look at this, I actually become more impressed thinking about winning this golf tournament because you're right. I mean, it's hard to win any golf tournament. You put 150 guys in the field. I don't really care how good they are. It's difficult to be the number one guy. And then you throw in the fact that you got to play three different courses over the first three days. You got to play six and a half hour rounds with amateurs. Uh, you got to make bur- like you. You are not going to steal this tournament from someone because they bogeyed eighteen and gave it to you, or they like backed up and got you back in. Like you have to be really good making birdies for four days. And the more I think about it, the more impressed I get. So like I, I don't know. I'm excited to see how this plays out on the it, It's not like last week at the Sony Open where you're going to see a crazy 18th hole. Well, you, I mean, you may see a crazy 18th hole, but you're not going to see guys shooting a right around par and getting it being having a chance to win. You're not going right. to see a Brendan Steele struggle for a little bit during that round and still have a chance to win. You're going to have to go out there and take it. So you, you can't back into a win this week on, a golf, uh, on golf courses like this. So I, it does impress me, no question about it. Awesome. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the weekend and and see what's going on across the world in Abu Dhabi. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I 
can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. All right, Greg. So real quick, I mean, we've kind of covered what we think the weekend could look like. A lot of things need to shake out for uh, tomorrow, specifically round three, where you know these guys are going to finally get all all settled up before they have to all go back to the stadium course on Sunday and battle this out. But uh, there's a lot, like there's so much going on. Our guys, uh, you know, Sung Jay is is T six. We're looking forward to our one and done picks, which you and I both have Ricky Fowler, who's tied for the lead. Like there are actually a lot of good storylines and things that are going on out there in just like our own little first cut world, but also in the world of golf. This is a, a really fun time. I mean, this is a fantasy week for me in fantasy golf. It's a really challenging week and it's what I call trick or treat because you could, you could get a bunch of guys doing really well, you, but, but guys, good players, really solid picks can miss the cut shooting eight under par over three rounds because it's yeah. just it's hard to go crazy low like this so it, it's a hard cut to make even though it's on easy golf courses you just have to play well in order to to contend so when when we have our our one and done picks leading the way it adds it definitely adds a little incentive for me uh my fantasy lineups have been doing pretty well i, I was big on brian Harmon as well this week he's right there right. Uh, and yeah. a, a number of other players so it, it's it's a fun week for me um on this tour that being said, there's still a lot of golf yet to be yet to be played. I I always say that I'm always like, okay, the good news is there's a lot of golf left, and the bad news is there's a lot of golf left because literally anything can happen over the course of the next uh, 36 holes. So uh, you, myself, and uh, Kyle Porter took Ricky Fowler, Mark Immelman, uh, not going to be making much money with his Benny on pick, and producer Jacob on the other side of the glass with Paul Casey. Uh, he's going to need a big move on the weekends, but that is basically the way the first cut crew uh, stacks up into this weekend. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we talked a lot about some of these guys. We, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, I, I have a wager on this is going to be a very exciting weekend, which 
generally means, Greg, uh, I'll be crying into my pillow on Sunday. <laughs> well, I will say, if you go back and listen to our podcast from Tuesday, you're going to hear a lot of the names near the top of this leaderboard, at least as of now. Maybe you don't listen to it Sunday afternoon. We'll see where we – Yeah, don't listen to it then. Listen to it now. We look pretty good. I mean, we, we do. A lot of these names were mentioned, and it, this is a tough one to handicap. Yeah. Um, all right, here's another one. Other side of the globe. Abu Dhabi. Uh, we've got some big names over there, including uh, Brooks, Patrick Cantlay, the, the the usual suspects on the European tour. So the way it shakes out after two rounds, Francesco Laporta in the lead at 10 under par, but he's got everybody nipping at his heels. Uh, Cabrera Bayo's over there, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sergio Garcia, Haotong Louis, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, they're all within a handful of shots, but I think the biggest kind of thing for me Greg is the return of Brooks Kepka. So uh, three under in in round two. He's now in a tie for 35th. Quite frankly, to me, I don't really care what his finishing position is. I just want to see, hey, does he look good? Is he taking aggressive hacks? And we'll go from is there. He, right. Is he walking off the golf course uh, w- without any injury? That's basically your biggest thing. It was an extremely painful injury that he went through. Um, and and. It, it's a long recovery period. I know firsthand about patella injuries. Um, they are nasty and ex- extremely painful. So that's our biggest question with Brooks. Is he healthy? Because this is he's shaking a little rust off. I mean, shot six under yesterday uh, or in round one, whatever. When you're over the world, uh, across the world, it's hard to know what day it is. But yeah, true. Right. Round one was a great round for him, and everybody's saying, okay, well, he's back. And a little bit of rush showed today. So I, I don't think there's too much to gain from that. It's a little too early to tell. Uh, but we'll definitely – I mean, the thing is with Brooks, if he comes in tied 57th, it's not like he's going to be out of contention for major championships. We've seen this movie plenty of times before. Yeah, for sure. And and you're right. I, I said he was three under in round two. He's three under total. He backed up in round two. But you're – I actually the, – the thing that kind of caught me off guard is – this injury, I feel like, was much more serious than what we originally heard, right? It was just like, oh, you know, he he tweaked his knee. He's going to head back home because I think he was at the CJ Cup at the time. Like, he's going to head back home and get some treatment. And then it was like, yeah, to your point, the news that comes out, what do he do? He, like, split his kneecap or something? Like, something terrible. He tore his patella tendon. And the, <sighs> the patella tendon is uh, – it, it attaches your kneecap. And if that is torn – or if it's loose, then the kneecap will slide out of position. And I told you I knew firsthand. My my wife actually, uh, about a year ago, well, it was February last year, had surgery on on her um, on her kneecap and the patella. And basically, her patella from birth was a little bit loose, and so her knee would periodically slide out of position, and it would be a very short but extremely painful thing. And it would come back into place, so she didn't really know what to do, and then eventually had to have the surgery, and it was a really long uh, overlay. Now, Brooks is a tear, so it's a little bit different, but when that kneecap slides out of position, it's shooting pain. And at the CJ Cup, that's basically what happened. His kneecap slid out of position, and and, and it it does come back into position, so it's not like you dislocate your shoulder and your arm's hanging there. It, it, it comes back, but it's extremely painful, um, and that's what he's been dealing with. He was doing some stem cell procedure work beforehand, um, leading into that before he re-aggravated it, and he said that was the most excruciating, like like he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Brooks Kepka, who's a pretty tough guy, so it's definitely a serious injury. But when it's fixed properly, 
you can come back stronger. And it does sound like from what we're hearing out of Brooks, like he was playing with, uh, with that, that kind of lingering injury for a while last year. Yeah. It really, really interesting stuff there. So Brooks, very, very tough guy. Uh, the guy who wants to be tough with Brooks, Bryson DeChambeau, is going to miss the cut. But honestly, the bigger storyline out of Bryson this week is the little needle that he made. Uh, this is okay. This is the most 2012 thing I'm, or 2020 thing I'm about to say. Bryson went on Twitch playing Fortnite and needled Brooks about his abs on the body issue. Like, is there a more crazy sentence I could have said? Uh, it, no, I mean, uh, Twitch is something I've, I just heard of Twitch recently. And I, I can't, I honestly can't believe that, that Bryson's on Twitch and it gets out to the rest of the world. I like that. Just, I, I can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. So he, he says, uh, you know, uh, Brooks doesn't have abs. I've got abs. And then of course, uh, Brooks, you know, put, puts him in a coffin from the top rope, comes back with a picture of the two, uh, PGA championship and U.S. Open trophies and says, yeah, I'm actually, uh, too short of a six pack. Bryson is correct, which is like, it's over. I like this is, you know, from the top rope. I, I love this stuff. Put a nail in it, right? I mean, Brooks just with one line and there's not, there's not a lot lot of guys that can really poke fun at at Brooks because because of of what he's done his record speaks for itself and it's continuous so Brooks to shoot at Brooks Kepka is a silly thing to do I'm sorry Bryson it's just a silly thing because he's going to have you even though what Brooks did with the with the body issue I mean you're you're kind of setting you're giving the guys a lot of ammo sure are yeah yeah, but uh, I mean, this is this is a lot of fun. Presumably, those guys are uh, at least friendly enough, right? I mean, I know they've, they've had their issues in the past, but this is just just a little needle back and forth. But like, this is this is hilarious. I think that this is uh, pretty good for the game. I mean, the fact that Bryson is on Twitch, like, okay, golf already has like the oldest possible demo. This is good. Let Bryson get on Twitch, play Fortnite, meet some, uh, earn some new fans. Like it's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I, I feel like if you're Brooks Kepka and Bryson's like needling you on Twitch, you're, aren't you just kind of like rolling your eyes? Like, come on. It's like your little brother's like, you know, poking you in the shoulder and you just like slap him away, right? My little brother's in the gym now. He thinks he's tough. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, all right. One, uh, one more thing before we put a bow on this. Well, it took, uh, about seven days because I asked you when we would talk about Patrick Reed again and if we would talk about the cheating thing again. And we hoped we didn't have to, but here we are. So the tour comes out and tells Cam Smith to, uh, kind of pipe down, keep it quiet, uh, when he came out and kind of called Patrick Reed a cheater, um, which I, you know, Randall Chambly has said it. Uh, Cam Smith has now said it. Everyone kind of under the sun has said it. What are your thoughts on the tour kind of stepping in and uh, giving a little nudge for for Cam Smith to kind of tone it down a little bit? Well, uh, this is a tough one. Again, first of all, I was wrong. We are talking about it again seven days later. So I'll just I, I do have Ricky Fowler in my one and done pool, but I, I am wrong about the Patrick Reed situation. So my optimum is crushed there. This is a tough one. I mean, uh, how credible are these sort? Do we know that this is really true or? Is this just kind of hearsay? 
uh, I, I don't know. So I have a, a couple questions about that before I make a real definitive statement on it. But, um, you know, I understand where they're coming from. They're coming from the same place as, uh, as Patrick Reed's lawyer, basically. Hey, you don't know these intentions. So how can you make that statement? How, how can you go out there and make it? But, you know, to me, if you're going to voice your opinion on something, uh, or if you're going to be an analyst like Bryson DeChambe, uh, like, like Brandel Shambly, excuse me, um, or you're going to be asked a question about it, like Cam Smith. I mean, I, I feel like we should be able to hear their true opinion and their true thoughts. So my hope is that this, um, you know, my, my hope is that this really isn't that big of a deal. I hope it doesn't deter anybody from giving us their real thoughts. I agree. I mean, it's, I, I think everyone's kind of in a tough situation, right? The, the, the league or the tour, uh, you know, if you want to relate this to any other sports, like they don't need their own athletes going around making these type of accusations. It's certainly not good for it, but at the same time, you want these guys to be individuals. So, you know what? It's, it's a very difficult situation. We live in a, you know, it's not black and white. We live in a world of grays. So we'll just have to see if, uh, Patrick Reed's cheating scandal, uh, comes back into our ether anytime soon. Well, I'm hoping that it doesn't. And I do have a, I, I think this is really slowly going to kind of teeter out. And there's a lot of great stories around the game of golf right now. We talked about many of them tonight. And, and the, the tournament schedule is really cranking up. So hopefully this yeah. thing can, can uh, be put to rest and we can all move on. We'll end on some optimistic stuff because next week is going to be pure fire, Greg, because there is a lot going on. First off, PGA Merchandise Show. You ever been there? Many times. I figured that. So we're going to have some of the first cut crew down there. This is where you get to see all of the industry's latest technology. Everyone's got all their goods. Um, Kyle Porter, Mark Immelman on scene. I heard a rumor, Greg, that Frank Nobolo will be coming on the podcast. What do you think about that? Well, I, that is a great get. Frank is one of my favorites in the game. Uh, it's great to have him be a part of CBS. It's, it's really exciting. Um, so I, what a great get. I mean, that, how do you miss that one? You got, you put it on your calendar, right? Dude, subscribe right now. While you're there, here you go. While you're there, leave a little five star review rating. Say something nice about the show. That'll help. Um, because we've got CBS first event of 2020 next week. The farmer's insurance. Not only is it the first event, Tiger Stinkin' Woods making his 2020 debut. How exciting is that going to be? I mean, does it get any better than that? Tiger at the Farmers. I mean, he's won eight times. He comes off the President's Cup where he's the the best player on the property. Uh, The world is going to be buzzing. The world of golf will be buzzing that week. I cannot wait. I will be there. Uh, this is uh, this is about a 45-minute drive for me. I'm taking this in as a, uh, a spectator, as a patron. I'll be there Thursday morning and then probably all day Saturday. Now, Greg, I've, I've got the wife with me on Saturday. How many hours do you think she can last watching a golf tournament? Oh, man. Well, it depends a little bit on the weather, right? If the weather's nice, I think she gets a lot. Unfortunately, I've never met her, so uh, there's a little bit to be determined there. But I think you can go a long time. You get Tiger. You get those crowds out there, great people-watching atmospheres. You get... get Give her a you know a couple tickets at the concession stand. Keep her happy that way. I think you got. I think you got eight hours. I think so. So here, here's what I've got going for me. Uh, it's Tory Pines. So that piece of land alone is awesome, right? I mean, you're you're out there by the ocean. She doesn't care if golf balls are flying around, but I can at least say, hey, you know, check out the ocean. You got views. There's you know there's beer stands here. We'll be good for a while. I think I I think eight hours is the is the good number there. And Greg, if things could not get any better. Mark Immelman, our very own Mark Immelman, on the call 
for the farmers next week inside the ropes doing his thing, which gets me super amped. I can't wait. And I can't wait for Sunday night to talk to him about it because he's going to have his insight is as phenomenal as it is, no matter where he's covering it from. But when it's right on scene like that, that's when it gets really exciting. Yeah, there. I mean, when you've got when you've got eyes on it, it is going to be a, a heck of a week. So I highly encourage everyone. Uh, if you are not subscribed, you're going to want to hear the the rest of uh, the pods that we've got coming out. And next week is going to be something really, really special. So that'll do it, Greg. Uh, any parting words for the American Express or anything else we've got going? Hey, on? go Ricky Fowler. Let's get one done. I'm looking for Ricky to close Let's the deal. I want to see a little emotion out of him. I want to see him take this tournament by the horns. He's the class of the field. Let's go, Ricky. Let's just bank a win, like, right here, like, early in the season, right? Like, get one and done. Ricky does it for us. Like, let's just do it. I love it. All right. That'll do it for this episode of The First Cut. That is Greg Ducharme. You can get him on Twitter. It is at TheRealGFD. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.